0: to the pre-health pod. My name is Lexi. And I'm Sarah. And we're a podcast by students for students who have been through undergrad, are going through PA and application processes, or medical school application processes, and are here to meet you wherever you are. Glad to be back. Love talking to you, Sarah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm
1: excited. In this episode, you're stuck with us. We have no guest speakers here with us today, but we are planning to talk all about what we wish we'd known going into our undergrad. So before Mm -hmm. freshman year, when you're getting ready, getting started in college, because we know that that season is now really upon us. So here's the advice we have to give.
0: Woohoo. Yeah. And I'd love to catch up a little bit. So Sarah, what have you been up to recently?
1: Oh yeah. Recently. I attended a pre-PA conference. It was put on by one of the big PA or pre-PA organizations that try to support PA students. And I don't know, Lexi, maybe I'm a little biased coming from <laughs> NPHC and knowing how we run things, but unpopular opinion. I think that's the worst conference I've ever been to.
0: Oh, God. Oh, wow. Yeah. folks.
2: <laughs>
1: I'm sorry. I won't like name it specifically because that's rude. But the way they had advertised it to us was as a webinar and that we would be joining chat rooms. I'm sorry. No, that's what ended up happening. We joined chat rooms. What I thought was going to happen was we were going to be joining like a Zoom and getting to hear from speakers from different universities and admissions people. And instead, we joined chat rooms. And all you could really do was type out questions in the chat room and whoever was in the chat room at that time would answer them. They split it up by school and the schools had all paid to be included in this conference. It was just kind of a nightmare. And there were so many people that were there that Your question would get lost in the abyss and then you were like, well, do I send my question in again or do I just let it go? Because this is literally an admissions officer that's sitting here trying to get through these. And I don't want to seem pushy or rude because these are people that are looking at my application. So it was not a great experience. I didn't enjoy it much, but it makes me even more excited about the work we're doing with NPHC. If you guys didn't hear already, we did announce at our conference back in July that we are having a PA-focused conference, a PA-focused webinar. It's virtual. It's free. It's amazing. It's my baby. It's my child. I'm (laughs) so excited to show you guys and to have people join and watch. And it's going to be way better than what I just went through this past weekend. But I just want to make sure you all remember that if you're pre-PA or even if you're not, if you're just not sure what you want to do in the medical field, you're going to want to join this conference and it's going to be in April of 2024, right before the PA CASPA applications will be opening. We're going to be having it and I can't wait. And yeah. I think you all really enjoy it. Not to steal the spotlight, but two two.
0: Yeah. There's my horn. Two two. It's called Pre-PA Pathways Unlock Your Future. And I want to cute little graphics with with locks and keys. Yeah.
1: (laughs) It's going to be cute and it's going to be really fun and really informative. And I'm already starting to line up some great schools and some great speakers for you all. So
0: something to look forward to. Yeah. And it'll be April 13th. And if you'd like to register and learn more about it, it's at our website at www.nationalprehealthconf.org. So check that out. It should be under the events tab there. Spots are always limited. So make sure to register for that ASAP. And even if you're pre-med, if you're currently an undergrad and not yet applying to medical school or or maybe on the fence of medical school or PA school, I highly recommend attending this event. Honestly, it seems to be pretty much one of its kind, a place for us to come together and learn more about becoming a physician assistant specifically instead of just thrown into the pre-health conference. Um, That's something I've been wanting to change for a while. And PA programs are becoming a lot more popular now um, with college. And I don't think I know a single pre out there who was like, no, I consider PA at one point. Because they do similar things to doctors, still very different. You have more autonomy as a physician, but it's still very important to know what that career pathway does. And who knows, maybe you want to do that instead. Yeah, absolutely.
1: But I mean, I guess we can just jump into this topic now. Mm hmm. So I know. flashback, take you out your time machine Oh, <laughs> <Perhaps. laughs> going into freshman year. What a time. We'll I think we should over. start with like the simple stuff. Let's start with rooming, having a dorm room. You oh, yeah. experienced this. I didn't. Um, I know. So my advice to you all is short and sweet. If you have the opportunity to live in a dorm room, you should do it. There is a sense of connection. There is a better chance that you'll make friends faster. You'll have like a built-in bestie. I know it's hard to have a roommate and all of those things, but as someone who never got the dorm experience, that's pretty much my biggest regret of college is I really wish I had lived in a dorm at one point throughout the experience.
0: So Lexi, tell me about dorm life. What do they need to know? Oh my gosh. So my dorm life is pretty unique at my college I remember signing up for dorms. Oh my God. When I was what, a, in, like my last year in high school, it's crazy yeah. all the way back then. I got really lucky. I really wanted a quad. My honors college, they offer like several different formats. One of them is a quad where there are four private rooms and two shared baths in the same sort of apartment style, but like mini apartment style because the dorm rooms were really small. And then we had a shared living room and like a little kitchenette with the fridge and it was really cool and I really wanted one of those. I had signed up super late and I got the last one, the last spot. Usually Dang. Yeah. I think it was like I just got super lucky. And usually you pick it based on their interests too. I just wanted the quad, so I just kind of signed up for it and really hoped my roommates were not crazy. <laughs> and yeah, my freshman year there I had three roommates, two of which I'm like still best friends with. And if that's was way back in fall 2018. And now like some of them are getting married or engaged and it's just really cool to know their life story and like everything. And they some of them met their partners in college and I got to like see that and hang out with them. Plus the best part too is none of them were pre-med and it was kind of fun because then i go and like take my biology class and explain to them my career, like my classes and all of the stuff I was doing. And there was just so much to study and they'd be like, can't relate. I'm in business or engineering. It's just a very different curriculum, but it was really nice because we just got to go to dinner and chat about not being (laughs) pre-med, I guess, just like chat about other things, just normal life stuff. And I really loved it. So that was my dorm life.
1: (laughs) Okay. Nitty gritty questions for you. What is one thing that you were like, I'm so glad I have this with me moving in? Like, was there a toiletry item, a kitchen yeah. item? What was it?
0: Well, it would to be boring. I was going to say a whiteboard. Um, oh, okay.
1: I'll take like, whiteboard.
0: Like a medium, large size whiteboard. If you got a rolly whiteboard, props to you. I just had like a medium one and I used it for like quick math and everything. And I hung it on my wall. It was awesome. Gosh, maybe like a normal house thing. A scrubber <laughs> for my scrubber, not just a sponge, like a gross sponge, but like a plastic scrubber for my Kia. We weren't allowed to do this, but I brought up food from the dining room like, okay, into my dorm and yeah. I have these plates and they would smell. So I'd like scrub them with soap in the sink.
1: Oh, that's hilarious. Let's okay. So then. secret dishes, Lexi's <laughs> recommending whiteboards and secret dishes. <laughs>
0: I know I used to do this thing. Oh my gosh, me and one of my roommates would go to cycling like Tuesdays and Thursdays and it'd be at 6 a.m. And I had a 9 a.m. English class to get to. And yeah. so we rolled a bed at like 5:50 a.m. in our exercise clothes that we slept in the night before. <laughs> we roll out of bed, shoving our socks and our shoes, and we'd like run to the fitness complex and we'd do like the hour-long cycling. And it'd be 7 a.m. we rush back to the dorm room. We would get like the really full English breakfast or whatever they had at the dining hall. And we take it upstairs and like quickly scarf it down and then shower. And then like my human event or my English class, which was called the human event, was like downstairs. So I would leave literally at 8:50 a.m. and make it on time at 9 a.m. <laughs> I did everything so back to back in the morning. It was crazy.
1: Oh my gosh my freshman year of college, you couldn't get me up in the morning. I was like (laughs) a zombie rolling out of bed 10 minutes before I can't even imagine. I also didn't work out much when I first started college. I didn't start working out until like my sophomore, junior year. And that was just how I was like, okay, I can cope with stress this way. This is a good way to be happy.
0: (laughs) Oh, I adored the fitness classes. And I'm telling you now that I'm out of college, it's expensive. Like I didn't realize how good I had it in college. Cause yeah, I paid like what $50 a semester sort of required for the fitness complex. It and was required. You, you can't
1: opt out of it. Even if you weren't living on campus, you still had to pay the fitness fees.
0: Yeah. Unfortunately, but I got you unlimited classes. It was awesome. Yeah, And now I pay like, well, I don't pay anymore. Cause it just doesn't fit with my budget with secondary so. If you can relate, it was like 120 bucks a month for like a fitness complex. It's crazy.
1: <laughs> yeah. It gets nuts out here. So enjoy while you have it. Yeah. Okay. So we did. So, dorm. Yeah, we did dorm life. I kind of want to talk a little bit about having a car on campus. I lived off campus the entire time I went to college for like my very first semester. I was living at home um, and commuting And then after that, I was living in an apartment with some friends. Honestly, commuting sucked. It was pretty much the worst. I would not recommend it. If you can avoid it, don't do it. There would always be traffic at the worst moments. And oh my gosh, trying to get there on time the first day of classes is impossible because everyone's going back to college. So we're all taking the same route. We're all a little confused about where the parking garages are. And parking is really expensive at ASU. I know it's not everywhere, but if you're going to ASU, the parking passes are kind of insane. I know. Yeah. I think the cheapest one was like $350 or it might have been $400. And then it goes all the way up to a $900 parking pass. That's insanity. So sometimes having a car on campus, I don't think is even feasible for people just because of all of the
0: fees that's associated. But what do you think, Lexi? Do you need a car on campus? No, I didn't have a car at all until junior year. And I knew freshman year, I wasn't really familiar what clinical experience was until I realized I wanted to be a medical scribe. And, you know, ASU doesn't have a medical school attached. I was like, where are job opportunities? And at the time, the only job opportunities for scribing was like 25 minutes away. There's no public transportation that's actually good to get to these places. And I didn't realize that that would be an issue when I got to college. I was like, oh my God, I want to do this experience, but I have no idea how to get there. And it's not like I can carpool with people because when you're a scribe, they're like individual shifts that start at different times and you can't carpool. Otherwise, I totally would have done that with some people at ASU. So finally, like my family saved up enough money to like get us a car during COVID or like the year after COVID. So I could be a medical scribe. But I think that's also a huge disadvantage for people who can't afford transportation like that. And I don't think people realize even simple things like that. You can't afford to even get to your clinical experience that you want to participate in. That's valuable for your application.
1: Absolutely. And it's definitely something to think about because ASU great school not commuter friendly, not biker friendly, not walking friendly. Everything in Arizona is really far apart. You really can't live here without a car. So if you're not going to have a car and being able to get around places is super important to you, if that's high up on your list of things that matter, you got to look at schools that are friendly to that. Schools that are in big cities, that have subways, buses, Like Arizona has the light rail, but it can't really take you very many places. It's a line.
0: Yeah, I know. It really sucks. And I wish back then, honestly, I went to a school that had a medical school attached or even just a close hospital.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I
0: know things
1: to think about, but they're legit issues.
0: When ASU announced that they're opening ASU health, I don't really know if they're going to open a hospital or anything. And Actually, fun fact, we're going to interview soon, Dr. Gabrielle in the next several months, who is the executive vice president of ASU health. And we're going to pick her brain about this new hospital system or not actually even sure. Is it a hospital system? I know it's a medical school, but i got a lot of questions for her.
1: Yeah. These are questions we will be asking because we're confused.
0: Yeah. And I think it'll be a game changer for people at my college who need some of these experiences and honestly can get to know some medical students who can mentor them from their alma mater.
1: I think that'd Absolutely. Be really cool. It would be. It would be awesome. That was something we were lacking. That was kind of something we had to hunt for. Yeah. We had to turn to U of A or even yeah. out of state medical schools, looking for mentorship from medical students.
0: But yeah, that's our thoughts on cars. Yeah. Cars for classes. How was it transitioning from studying in high school to studying in college for you
1: yeah it was way different in high school i didn't study i didn't need to unless it was something that i had to memorize like when i took anatomy i had to memorize all the bones so obviously i studied for that but that was just memorization in college the way of studying is more about content and actually knowing things and how they relate to each other and how can you apply the knowledge to other situations And my entire way of studying shifted completely and it was hard. It was an adjustment period. Now that my little sister is starting college, oh my gosh, like this week. And one of the things that I recommended to her, I was like, if you can do this, if you can manage this, if you can afford it, don't work this first semester. Don't do a job. Just focus on school, get your rhythm, figure out your study habits, figure out how to be good at this and then get the job. Because I worked as a waitress um, my first year of college. And honestly, I think that set me back. It mm-hmm. I had a really hard time figuring out a rhythm to studying because I was cramming studying. Everything was a cram because I was working at the same time and while I was trying to figure it all out. So if that's something you can feasibly manage, I couldn't feasibly manage that when I was a freshman. But if you can, I would highly recommend holding off on getting a job right from the get-go.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. I know I didn't work until my summer after college because and I applaud you for doing that, I was like, it was just such a big transition for me. I actually graduated high school a year early and I was like, totally, it was really hard my freshman year of college with these new exams, like in the format and everything. I actually like failed all of my first exams and all of my classes. And I was terrified. I didn't know what to do. And at that time, I didn't even know if college was for me. I was like, oh, am I going to be a good student? Am I going to be able to like get good grades, get into medical school, in my freshman year of college. And I was terrified, but I did have those moments. And then I also thought to myself, like, I can't think that way. This is what I have right now. I'm going to do whatever I can to, like, get those grades up. And it was a huge learning curve for me. Unfortunately, I was able to get good exam grades by the end of the semester. But if you're experiencing something similar, you are not alone. And it was really hard for me to adjust.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And when you're looking at what university you want to attend, I highly recommend looking at whether or not they offer tutoring services. Yeah, That is not available to you at every university that you could apply to. So I would say if that's not available to you, don't go. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you can if you really want to, but ASU's tutoring services, I heavily relied upon. I could not have afforded to pay for the tutoring that I needed to figure out how to study what I needed to be studying. And honestly, just get really great advice about how to prep for certain professors exams because these tutoring sessions were taught by students who had taken the class. So it really just set you up for success in a way that some universities won't. So definitely look at what tutoring services are being offered to you and figure out how to use them early on.
0: Do any universities have MCAT tutoring? I just thought of that. I don't know. I know ASU offers
1: like the Princeton Review as a free resource you can use.
0: Yeah, but that's not like someone talking on the phone with you and giving you. Yeah, it's not. Because that's something I really wish I had. Just like I was able to make an appointment with someone regarding the MCAT and I actually don't know if the pre-health office does this, but unfortunately the pre-health office wasn't helpful for me in any other facet of my application or pre-med process at ASU. So I didn't even look, but I wish I had someone who I knew I could trust or maybe took the MCAT or did well, or had good study techniques. And I could just kind of talk to them about where I'm at. and be like, is this a yeah. good plan? And <laughs> what do you think of it? Um, because all of the MCAT tutoring that is available right now is all third party and very expensive.
1: Yeah, it really is. And honestly, jumping back to that, what you said about pre-health advisors, a lot of universities offer pre-health advisors now, and someone's going to get mad at me. I say so many things. I'm like, someone's going to get mad at me for saying this, but I'm just, I got to tell you guys the truth here. When I went to my pre-health advisors, not only did she make 18 year old me, freshman in college, feel like I shouldn't be trying to go into the medical field. But she gave me a plan that wasn't accurate. She gave me a list, like a timeline. She gave me the classes I needed to take, the prereqs I needed. It wasn't accurate. And I didn't realize that until my junior year when I was talking to Lexi about it. So, honestly, something I wish I had done when I was a freshman is look at where I'm trying to go. If you already know your plan, you know your medical school or PA school, it's time to open up those websites and see what their prereqs are. Write them down in a Google Doc and cross it off as you go through college and make sure you're hitting all of those prereq classes. Because now that I'm graduated, I'm going back and taking classes I should have taken in college, but I didn't because this pre-health advisor told me I didn't have to. And I learned that I needed them too late. So please, please, please do yourself a favor, save yourself some money and make a prerequisite list and rely on it for the next four years.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. And honestly, if it seems daunting to make your school list at freshman's or sophomore year, just start with all the medical school or PA schools in your state. Yeah. I think that's Keep it simple. Keep it simple. And just like the statistics of it, um, most students are likely to, to go to their state schools. So yeah. just write down everything you want to go to. Because I did not do that. And I didn't realize until a lot later in undergrad, there were some prerequisites I was missing, like lower level prerequisites for some of the medical schools I applied to. And I had to get yeah. those pretty quickly. It's just so hard when you have to apply to so many schools and just making sure you hit all of the points, all of these schools. Yeah. I wish we kind of blended it a little bit more together, but we'll see. Well, that would be too easy. (laughs)
1: Yay. So, yeah. I mean, in a way, I guess that's why Lexi and I are doing this. We both struggled through that and we're trying to make it easier for you guys. So... I don't know. We're trying to give you as accurate information as we possibly can. But if you're listening to this three years from now, maybe take it with a grain of salt because everything <laughs> changes every single year. So also yeah. keep revising that prereq list and make sure it stays the same.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That is so true. I know some schools, for example, I took preview in Casper and I took Casper, which was required by two schools. And then one of the schools on my list actually didn't require it anymore if I didn't want to take it and for this other school, I didn't have to take it at all. And it's just, yeah, things change every year. Also, side note, Preview and Casper only required for like one or two of the schools I applied on my list. And I feel like that is such a low number where why is it even a requirement for those schools? That's something I want to know. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And with
1: PA school, like one of the things that's changing right now is the GRE versus the PCAT. Oh, I can't even. I can't even with, oh, it makes me so angry. I mean, I love it. I'm happy to take the PCAT. No worries, PA school. Love you guys. But they are currently looking at making the PCAT a requirement for all PA schools across the board where it has been the GRE all the way. GRE, GRE, GRE. In the last five years, some schools started requesting the PCAT, and now it looks like everyone's going to. So oh, it's little
0: things, guys. We're going in the opposite direction with this. I have so many peers, not you, but like other pre-PAs who, one of the big reasons why they are applying to PA schools, just so they don't have to take the MCAT. It's a huge barrier to them. Yeah. And, I mean, we should take note of that. <laughs> It is weird for people to get into schools. It's expensive. It it definitely is. You really need to know your stuff, not just like the content, but like studying strategies. You need to know the exam inside and out. And sometimes you do need a teacher for that. And I have a lot of peers who have the money to be able to pay for a private tutor for MCAT tutoring to like learn how to master it rather than just like study for it. Because it is an exam you can just easily study for like any other exam in college. It's an exam that requires understanding what they're asking and how you need to solve it, like the car section in particular.
1: Yeah. And honestly, guys, in a perfect world, we would have a timeline for you that we could just hand you on a silver platter and say, hey, you can follow this and trust us. This is something we've definitely been working on trying to create. It's so complicated because it looks different for every single person, but we are working on that. And hopefully someday soon we'll be able to release that to you all as another resource to help you out. But definitely from the beginning, try to create a timeline for yourself Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: try to just kind of set goals and expectations, pre volunteer hours, clinical hours, lab research, Kind of yep. make your own timeline for now until we do the work for you. <laughs> and
0: if I would make, prioritize one activity, yeah, it would be clinical experience. Become a medical scribe. Maybe if you're entering a gap year, get your MA license and do that for one or two years. Yeah. Um, a, your senior year of college and then go and be an MA. Even volunteering in a hospital is clinical experience. But the best clinical experience is working with doctors side by side. Cause I know um, in my experience, medical schools want to see you working with doctors more so than patients. They want to see like you're one-on-one with physicians. And that's Absolutely. why a lot of people value like medical scribing over EMT. Cause when you're an EMT, you don't really have that doctor relationship or experience that is still clinical experience. Don't get me wrong. And people do get into medical school with EMT experience, but medical scribing is probably like the best thing you can do.
1: I'm going to throw a wrench in that by bringing up PA school. PA schools love EMTs. They love to see it. Yeah. PA schools don't call it clinical hours. They call it patient care hours. They want to see direct hands-on patient care happening. Uh You can only achieve that by being an EMT or a CNA. They don't even count medical assisting as patient care hours anymore. Some schools make exceptions and they accept things like MA or scribing but not all across the board. So if you are dead set on going to PA school someday, that is where your heart is telling you to go. You need to be an EMT. You need to be a CNA. You got to find a way to get hands-on patient care hours.
0: Yeah. Very different from med student for pre-meds. It's so interesting how like the timelines align, but also unaligned. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I mean, I think the reason why they call it patient care hours and they emphasize the hands-on so much is because we're kind of condensing medical school in a way. They're putting you in medical school for four years. We're two to three years. So I think they want to make sure that coming into the programs, you already know how to work with patients because they can't teach that. They don't have time to teach that. They just have to teach you how to diagnose, how to treat, how to care for. They can't teach you how to be a good provider. You have to already be showing that.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. And if you want to learn more about PA application processes, what interviews are like, what prerequisites, what experiences like Sarah was mentioning are highly anticipated for applying to PA school. We do have an episode with Dr. Todd Wills, um, PA program director from University of South Florida, um, a couple episodes ago. So take a look at our backlog, but yeah, really crazy. <laughs> Absolutely nuts. Okay, guys.
1: I know we were kind of in the middle of a topic, but Lexi and I realized we were hitting a wall a little bit. It's been a while since we were freshmen, and I have this wonderful resource in the next room called My Little Sister. (laughs) So this is our podcast editor. Her name is Lorelei Edmonds. She is 18 and headed into her first year of college at UCF. She's going to join us for a hot second. So Lorelai, you got any questions for us going into freshman year?
2: Yeah, I think one of the bigger ones that I'm always wondering about is like, how do I take notes? Like, are we still doing the Cornell style that our high school teachers hammered into our heads or should I be, (laughs) should I be taking notes like differently, differently?
0: Yeah. So I do not do Cornell notes anymore. Fun fact, I did try, like, I feel like I was just try hard my first week of undergrad and each of my classes, I would write like that. I would do the line and then eat to the left, do the topic that we were on and then start writing. And then slowly I just started not doing that. And I did not even take notes, not really fancy notes, at least for me with different colored pens or anything. I just scribbled things on a pad that just kind of like provided that stimulation for me to, to grasp the information. But I didn't really grasp any of the information in lecture until after lecture when I went back and reviewed what we talked about. It was sort of like just listening in a lecture and just taking everything in and writing down a couple of things to keep engaged. And then after that, going on the PowerPoint and moving a lot of the PowerPoint information into a Quizlet to memorize. Yeah, I
1: agree. I think something that will surprise you is how much more you have to do to actually learn things now. Because I know in high school, like I just took notes on a piece of paper. I had a notebook. I never looked at my notes again and I'd get great grades. That's not college. In college, you have to... I mean, I had a method a little different from Lexi's. I would do the assigned reading on the topics we'd be covering in the lectures. I would do it before I went. And I'd try to engage in the lecture as much as possible, think of questions to ask the professor, try to answer his or her questions. And instead of taking notes at all, I would sit and make flashcards while the professor was talking and make flashcards based on what he was saying. The other thing that I did my freshman year that isn't really a thing anymore, thanks to COVID, I had the voice memo app and I would record the lecture and I would (laughs) listen to it later and I would like, honestly, leading up to the exams, I would re-listen to his lectures. But now that Zoom is a thing, most of your lectures are recorded. So you can thank the universe for that. That's really nice.
2: (laughs) One positive thing. (laughs) Okay. So I guess my next question would be, well, Apple has the iPad that you can write on and take notes. And I guess just the Big question I have is Do you need a laptop if you have the iPad, or should you just be using the iPad?
1: You need both in college. I disagree.
0: Oh, no. You got to have a computer. Why? Well, in your labs for like physics, or even just for like typing out essays, or at least for me, like I needed to download specific software to like actually function in some of my physics labs or even my chemistry labs. And I needed to develop in my research lab statistics. And I also needed to download software for that. So, I mean, you got to need a computer for that stuff, but for taking notes, yeah, you can just use your iPad. See, I still disagree with
1: you. I didn't use my laptop. As soon as I bought an iPad, I stopped using my laptop. Mm -hmm. I mean... The iPads are almost becoming laptops at this point. Like I have a case that is a keyboard. I have a little like mouse toggle thing. If I want to plug it in, I can download any software I need onto my iPad. And it honestly worked great through the last two years of college. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I used Google Drive. Everything is uploaded there. So I didn't use it for apps. I didn't have games on it. I didn't download movies on it it was basically my laptop, but it was an iPad. And I really liked it because I loved having the touchscreen and being able to draw on the iPad and take all my notes on the iPad. So I guess it's really up to your preference then. I think you could make do either way. Whatever you want more, I guess, is the next
2: answer. Nice. Or if you can pay for all the storage.
1: Yeah. You can also pay for all of the storage. <laughs> The iPads can have as much storage as a laptop. It just gets expensive. But using things like the cloud or Google Drive kind of erase the need for all of that storage space as long as you're not using it like it's a TV and downloading movies and books.
0: Right. But you have sensitive documents, not even just financial stuff, but maybe like an application you really need to have. You should also be storing that in a hard drive. As well. My boyfriend's a software engineer. He tells me these things. I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say,
1: did your boyfriend tell you that? Because yes, I didn't. did not know that was the thing. He was like,
0: because I mean, Google Drive can fail, I guess. He's like, you've got to have it in your computer. You Google would never fail me.
1: Stuff. That's scary. That, no. I just
0: sent my heart through a ringer. Google would <laughs> fail me. Put it no. on your computer. That's why you got to have a computer. I don't it. know.
1: I think you can make do with an iPad. I did it for two years. I had no issues. It was great. Honestly, I loved my <laughs> iPad. It made my computer feel stupid. Mm-hmm. But that's just my opinion. I think you could go either way.
2: Okay.
1: What other questions do you have for us, Lorelai?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone makes like such a big deal about the clubs and having a position in it, I guess. So are they really that important? Should I be joining a bunch of clubs? Should they all be, I guess, pointed in the medical direction if that's what I want to do in my Hmm. life or should I do other things?
0: (laughs) I don't think it's about what you should do. I think it should be. What about what you want to do? What is something you love? Let's say like you're an avid baker is there a baking club? Get on that. If you really love it, maybe you can become a president or leader in that. I think doing something that gives you more of that like multi-dimensionality in college is totally great and totally fine. And even for medical schools, they'll notice that they want to have someone who has that passion for something that maybe isn't medical related in the club and has leadership in that rather than someone just getting on a random leadership position in maybe a pre-med club, but doesn't really show passion for that or their love for that. Yeah. I will say like my freshman year, I joined the American Medical Women's Association, their clubs. I really liked that. And I really liked going to their guest speaker engagements, but I didn't want to apply for any of their leadership positions because it really just wasn't my vibe. I felt like I hadn't found my organization yet. Um, the people there were great, but I really liked my research lab and I really loved the work I was doing there. And I kind of wanted to become a mentor in there and put a lot of my time into my research. And I don't mind just being a member in AMWA.
1: Yeah. The only thing that I could think of to add to this conversation is join early, start early into your career. Freshman year, it's time to join clubs. This is yeah. important. You want to get in at the very beginning. It's much easier to make friends that way because then you're joining with a bunch of people your age that are also new to the club. Yeah. And the other thing that I thought of is try not to take classes in the evenings. A lot of, if not all, of these clubs meet in the evenings. Yep. And so when I was doing my French minor, all of my French classes were at six or 7 p.m. And I couldn't participate in club events because they were happening during my French classes. So if you can avoid having evening classes, definitely do that because it'll give you more free time for clubs.
0: Yeah. Oh my God. That's a really good point. I know I did have a lot of classes that were in the evenings. So that did prevent me from going to a lot of the fun clubs I want to do. Do a fun club, by the way. Don't just do all (laughs) professional clubs. Like these are things really cool. Like my senior year, I joined the Ultimate Frisbee Club. And that was super fun. It was really hard though, to make time for it. I'll be honest. Cause I was off campus at the time and it was on campus at like 6.30 PM. And I kind of wish I had started in the Frisbee club my freshman year and like made that a part of my story. And it was so much fun, but I did miss out on like a lot of the friendships. Cause a lot of people have been in it from day one and I felt left out in that way.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Last question. What should I wear? Is that a good question? It's it's a great
1: question. I think you'll get different advice from different people though. Mm -hmm. I always dressed just kind of like nice casual. I always wore like jeans and a shirt or shorts and a shirt. I, I wasn't one of those people that wore athleisure to class. Like I didn't really wear leggings or sports bras or tennis skirts, but a lot of people do. A lot of people do wear athleisure or I don't know, something else crazy. People wear whatever they want. But I found that by dressing kind of like appropriate and nice and like not too revealing, yeah, <laughs> I felt more comfortable talking to my professors. That could just be a me thing, Good but point. I felt like I got more respect by dressing that way from my professors. I think they also noticed that I was dressing up for their classes. I didn't show (laughs) up in my pajamas, but you can, you totally can. People will, people will be there in the craziest things and they don't care.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If you don't care, props to you, honestly, just wear whatever you want. I did work in my research lab every day. I always had to wear like, long pants because <laughs> I worked with sensitive stuff and I had to have proper PPE in the lab and I did not feel like changing. But I did have friends and I was also one of them. Like we wore athleisure every day. And then once you got into the lab, you just changed into your jeans, your bootcut jeans <laughs> for your time in the lab. Yeah, that's what I did. I wore a lot of t-shirts and um I feel like that's just such the vibe at American colleges is you just wear athleisure, you know, leggings and a t-shirt or jeans and t-shirt, shorts and a t-shirt. Yeah, <laughs> that's the
1: vibe. Yeah, whatever you wear, someone else will be wearing something similar because your class sizes your freshman year are a lot larger because you're taking like the common core college classes that everyone has to take in the beginning.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, Love. thank you so much, Lorelai, for yeah, thanks. popping in on here and asking yeah, a couple man. questions.
1: Yeah, and then we'll make her edit this episode now. <laughs> <laughs> So myself. Oh uh, well, thank you, Lorelai. I think now Lexi and I are just gonna transition into our game. Yeah,
0: right? yeah.
1: yeah. We're going to be playing two truths and a lie, and I'm excited. I think it's gonna be cute. Lexi, yeah. do you want to start us off?
0: Yeah. So here are my three two truths and a lie. One is cilantro tastes like soap to me. I hate it. It's gross. Then. I was the top cross-country runner in high school. And when I worked in my research lab, I worked in a bench lab for like three hours, pipetting different stuff into different well plates for running experiments. And I was by myself for a long time in this lab and I really did not like it.
1: Okay. I know the answer to the cilantro one. I'm like (laughs) 99% sure that you don't like cilantro. Unless I'm confusing you with a friend, I'm pretty sure when we've gone out for tacos, you've like made sure there's no cilantro on your tacos.
0: No, that's me. Yeah. Okay, great.
1: (laughs) that That one's true. I remember that you did cross country in high school, but I honestly thought you weren't good at it, but maybe you were. And then the last one about your research lab, I can't remember if you liked the bench work part or not. I think you did. I think the benchwork is a lie. I think you loved your research. You find a way to bring your research into every conversation.
0: Okay. So wrong. Um <gasps> I really, really did not like I liked my research, but the actual like doing part of it was really hard for me. Cause I was okay. by myself, you know, in these biosafety cabinets for hours, uh-huh. like preparing these experiments and we live in the, in the bio design where I worked. It was like one of those energy saver lights. So just be like my bench had the one light above it. And then around me was surrounded by darkness. Oh, gross. And i by myself for a long time. And that's something I just realized I did not like. I'm the type of person where I want to be in a bustling environment with like a lot of people. And like, I just want to talk to them and ask about their day and like have conversations and exchange thoughts. And so- I loved my research lab when we did activities together and we collaborated on projects together. I loved that part of it, but like doing independent work, I just really did not like.
1: Okay. Um, Okay. So I was wrong and
0: you were a cross country star. No, that's my lie. What? Yeah. Did I not say that right? I said, so I really did not like bench lab research. That's true. My lie oh, is that was yeah, the top right, cross country right. runner. No, I hated it. You're right. <laughs> okay. okay. I did it for one year in high school. And I mean, I felt super healthy, but when you run like six miles a day, your body just like can't eat anything bad. Like, yeah. Fries, donuts or anything like that. You just like have, a, like, oh, you just can't do it because you have to like get up at 5 a.m. and run six miles the next day. Yeah. I, about every Saturday, I wake up at 5 a.m. to run a 5k. I was in like Florida, humid weather. It was miserable.
1: Yeah. That sounds terrible. So anyway, you were, well, I'll do mine and then we'll switch back to you. We're going to take turns. Well, that was my only one. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I prepped too. Okay. Just tell me both of yours. Okay. Here's the first one. I never used the ASU campus gym. I never used it. I never played any intramural sports in college. Hmm. I never went to an ASU game
0: for any sport. It was not sporty, huh? I think the truth is you never did an intramural club like sports club. I think the lie is you never went to the gym. I think you did go once at least to the SCFC gym.
1: Wrong. Oh, no. I never used the ASU gym. I was afraid of it. What? Yeah, I know. And I also had an eSport, a membership from my father who forgot to cancel it. So (laughs) I didn't need it. And I never played any intramural sports. That's true. And I never went to an ASU game until my senior year of college. I didn't go to any. I don't know. I don't love sports. I didn't have a reason to go. And the friends I was making weren't interested. And then my senior year, my boyfriend, now fiance, dragged me to a football game. And I'm glad I went. It was fun. I wouldn't say like, hey, guys, you should go to these. But yeah. So that's my first one. Here's my second one. It's funny. I don't think you're going to know this one. Oh. So way back when, before I met my boyfriend, when I was dating boys, (laughs) I... I know. I picked the same restaurant for every first date I went on. So they would always ask me, "Where do you want to go?" I and this. I would say Joyride Tacos. And the next one is when I was dating boys. <laughs> I invited all of them, all of the ones I was talking to at the time. I invited all of them to go to the same movie with me at the same time. Didn't tell them that I had invited all of them. And I just let them all show up and meet each other like the bachelor or the bachelorette. (laughs) Are you kidding me? (laughs) And then my last one is when I was dating boys, I used Bumble because I liked being the one to message first.
0: Oh my God. If you did the second one, I have more questions. (laughs) (laughs) I think the first one is the live because I thought you went to Zuizakia every time. Oh, I have no sushi. idea
1: what Zuizakia is.
0: What do you mean? We've gone there together. You introduced oh, me to the uh, well, I look forget must the true. name
1: of that sushi restaurant. Is, is it really Zuizakia? Yeah. Wow, Alex that's... and go there like every weekend. <laughs> it's a really good sushi place, guys. 10 out of 10 would highly recommend it. But yeah. I was taking boys to Joy Red Taco. I wasn't going to show people my favorite sushi restaurant. Then it would get crowded. That's a good point. Well, you did show me and we go there all the time.
0: Great happy yeah, offer in Tempe. <laughs>
1: that was a gift. That was a gift to you. But yeah, I took them all to Joy Red Taco. That way I never confused anything. I always knew yeah. where the first date was and the tacos were good and safe. And I knew what I liked to order off the menu. Yeah. and. The silver lining of doing that, that I will say, like, low-key recommend to people dating, the wait staff started to know me. They knew who I was. <laughs> and I know that's, like, funny and kind of awkward, but it actually ended up being a good thing because it made me feel safer on first dates. It, it, like, really did. Because it's a little scary to meet a stranger yeah. in a new restaurant and doing it at the same place every time, like... I got to know the waitresses and they knew my name and they like liked me and I felt like they were looking out for me and they'd notice if something was going wrong or if I needed an out.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's
1: so sweet. Yeah. yeah. But my lie was the movie theater. I saw that on TikTok. Someone like invited all of her kinge matches to the movie theater and like <laughs> met them all there. And they like were all sitting in the same row with her in the middle. And I thought it was funny. So I decided to claim that as my lie. That's crazy. Oh my God. I know. If I showed up to something like that, I'd be pretty pissed, honestly.
0: Yeah. Wow. Well, Sarah, I loved your two years in a lie. I feel like we just go grow closer through this podcast, even though you moved away from me out of Phoenix. Somehow I feel like closer to you. You see me more now. (laughs) I know. What (laughs) the heck? (laughs)
1: Uh, yeah. Well, thank you guys for joining us. I hope you enjoyed. I hope we didn't bore you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And good luck to everybody starting undergrad soon, and or currently starting their first undergrad, or maybe entering sophomore, junior, senior, or super senior year. I wish you all the best. And you're going to be a doctor or PA one day, so just keep that in mind. It's exciting. We believe in you. Yeah. You can do it. You can do it. All right. This podcast was produced by Ari Rosenthal and Lorelai Edmonds and Aditi Galande. You can find our conference on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at National Prehealth Community or MPHC 2020. You can also find our pod and Instagram at the Prehealth Pod. Don't forget to register for MPHC 2023 July 26th to the 28th at www.nationalprehealthcom.org And please like, leave a review, or tell one friend if you liked our pod. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.